0: Welcome to the Try Catch Podcast. I'm Stacey Kozicek, an app business analyst here at Farm Credit Services America. Today we are talking about how Farm Credit Services America is utilizing technology and agile processes to improve our customers' ability to manage their operations. Our guests today are Kyle Perry and Carly Jacobson from our customer education team. Could you guys tell us a little bit more about yourselves and your roles here, please?
1: Yeah, so I'll start. Thank you so much for having us. I am Carly Jacobson. I'm a customer education specialist. And actually, I started in this industry as a K-12 instructor. So started in kind of a formal education setting and ha- over time have evolved to an adult learning educator. So kind of takes it from that formal education to a more informal space. And as we make that transition to that informal space, We get a lot more interested and invested in technology and evolving our learning to um, hit our learners' needs a little bit more effectively. So right now I am actually um, engaged with customer-facing learning. Previously had done more internal training, but that customer-facing learning presents its own challenges, which is uh, really fun to solve with technology.
2: And I'm Kyle Perry. I lead the team that includes customer education. And my background is in adult learning, education, and training. But I grew up on a farm, so I care a lot about what we try and do uh, in the agriculture industry, and especially related to customer-facing education. And uh, started here uh, over two and a half years ago as the first customer education employee.
0: Awesome. Thank you guys for being here. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Part of it is that we're pretty siloed in app dev as far as what we get to learn about for what our customers are experiencing. At least I personally am. I don't get to interact with customers every day. So I'm excited to hear about what we're doing to get that bigger picture of what we're providing for our customers. So and I'm really excited about
2: the conversation because I think we can learn a lot from app dev and the processes that you use to discover customer needs. And we're trying to learn from that too.
0: Perfect. To start us out, could you guys give us a little background of what your teams do?
2: So we're... um in a nutshell, responsible for the customer-facing education and training, which today looks like in-person meetings, some digital education, and a whole lot of uh, pilot programs and experimentation. It's Farm Credit Services of America Investment and Agriculture. We're a customer-owned financial cooperative. So our board, which is made up of farmers, ranchers, made up of producers, cares a lot about investing in the ability of our customers to be able to manage their operations, better financial and business acumen, better managed operations, stronger operations, stronger company. It's sort of a snowball effect. So that's the charge that the team has is to invest into our customers to help them be better managers of their operations.
0: So the better our customers do, the better we do. Is in yeah, long- in-
2: yeah, definitely. And I think that applies to more than just customer education, mm-hmm. which Personally, I think this is really exciting about working for a customer-owned cooperative.
0: Awesome. We're here to talk about how we are utilizing technology to enhance our customer experience. You've recently started using webinars. Could you talk about how you got started with that and how it's going?
1: Yeah. And so I started this whole conversation saying we're doing informal learning. Um, and I kind of am going to go back to there because there's some challenges with informal learning. And that's really because we have to think about how do we meet our customers where they are when they have a problem? And so one of the things we can do is take different initiatives that we have and evolve them into point of need type of learning situations. So we have been doing growing on meetings for a really long time, and they're in-person meetings. They happen once a year. They're great meetings for our customers. But there is this gap from meeting to meeting, this annual meeting that they were going to. And we were looking to figure out how to reach these customers ongoing throughout the year to further their learning in that same area of marketing and risk management. So there's a lot of ideas. There's webinars, there's podcasts, there's e-learning, there's all different types of ways we can engage with our customers. And for the first run, we decided to go ahead and go for that webinar, that kind of live broadcast feel for our customers. So in order to do that, we thought, okay, what is this going to look like? Let's find our experts. Let's engage experts to help us communicate that need. Let's find a small group of people and test it out and see if it's going to work for them. So we started out with a small group of customers, got our experts on the line, and trial ran our first 30-minute webinar. Sounded good, worked good, made a few adjustments, and moved to a slightly larger audience. Tried again. New topic, same thing. Made a couple adjustments, worked good you know, and eventually over that first six, eight months, we continued to make small changes until we thought we had the formula just about right, at which point we continued to look to how to scale that to even more customers, more topics, more ways to reach out to that group of people.
0: So, kind of um, take an agile mentality with that a bit of how you're not, you didn't create 20 web- webinars out of the gate and then released them all at the same time. Um, you actually learned from your processes, you made adjustments, mm-hmm. small adjustments too. It's not... Drastic. This one wasn't perfect. So let's scrap it. Just small adjustments over time to make your process better.
1: Yeah. And we certainly didn't start saying this is, this is the solution to the problem. We right. started saying we think this might be the solution. Let's try it. And we just continued to adjust as we learned more and more over time. And it turned out it only took minor adjustments to get to where we are today, which looks very different than it was in the first, the very first episode. So we've continued to iterate on that and found that the formula really does work and validated our beliefs with customers.
2: There were a couple things as I reflect back on that, that I think have been pretty impactful in terms of learning to iterate the webinar product mm-hmm. itself. If you call it a product is, um, first off that first group that was invite only with some customers that we knew would be pretty straightforward and genuine in the feedback that they would give us. And then the other thing that's interesting is it's now called two economists and a lender that sort of came about because our subject matter experts were two external economists. Mm -hmm. And we paired them with a lender teammate to provide our perspective and really didn't start out with that label, but now it's stuck as we moved along, something that we just learned along along the way.
1: And I would say that lender aspect of our expertise is some of the most interesting insights that are brought to each episode. They love that they're changing the different experts that we have showing up. We've had a couple of requests for repeat experts, in fact, but you know, it just continually changes the flavor of the webinar just enough to keep people engaged.
0: Kyle, you mentioned to me prior to this recording that your team is moving away from a rigid learning design towards a more agile mentality, which our listeners should be able to relate Mm -hmm. to. What sparked this direction and how has that been received by your team?
2: We can't take full credit on the customer education Mm -hmm. team. We're part of a bigger movement across all the learning teams here at Farm Credit Services of America to ultimately be more responsive to the problems that our learners and our teams and our customers are facing so that we've got a really keen eye on the problem not necessarily the solution looking for a problem if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and so carly gave a great example of the webinars and that's that's not a a well-defined science yet but it's our intention to be more iterative to be more agile to place the learner at the center of what we're trying to do and then to really prioritize learning and I say prioritize learning. That's Mm -hmm. funny because we're talking about customer education and learning. I mean, learning from the experimentation that we're doing. So to prioritize that learning so that it it informs the next step. And so we've done a few things to improve our abilities to work this way. One, we completed, we went through a coaching program with Teresa Torres that I know a number of other teams here have gone through that really reframe the way that we think about approaching identifying problems through the lens of the customer to Exercise as much empathy as possible to really understand their pain points and what their journeys are like, uh, and not assume what those problems might look like. And that way, when the solution is created, it's more clearly aligned to the problem because it came from the mouth of the customer. We also place the place, a really heavy emphasis on feedback. Um, We get that formally through surveys from Mm -hmm. our programs. We also will ask customers when they're attending, what do you think of this? Get direct one-on-one feedback. And then the feedback and input from our sales teammates who work really closely one-on-one with customers, they have a really good insight as far as what the industry and what our customers are going through. And so we place a lot of emphasis there. And then there's there's other places that aren't directly conducted for the purpose of getting customer education input, but we can find some nuggets of information there. Things like our customer experience tracker, where customers will say, hey, I wish you were doing x y or z because i see that need in my own operation with my son or daughter that's coming back so we look for nuggets there too and Mm -hmm. it's it's all sort of in the goal of amassing as much information as possible with knowing what the customer ultimately needs
0: so i like that tie into product management because like you said several of the app teammates here have gone through either training with theresa torres or melissa perry or other versions of product management so that talking about that emphasis on learning um, resonates. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's refreshing to hear that it's not just app dev that is going through this or business technology in general, that's taking an iterative approach and experimenting that it's happening across the organization and that these best practices are being utilized in other ways.
2: I would say it's helped reframe our thinking a little bit. And an example, we were in a meeting the other day, sort of wringing our hands about, mm-hmm. oh, what if this happened or what if that happened? And somebody spoke up and said, why don't we just ask the customer? Right. And so I think that just like going straight to let's just ask has mm-hmm. reframed the way that we're approaching these problems.
0: Right. And it's it's great to hear that you're asking the customer to. Surveys are great, but they're not always, mm. they don't necessarily tell you the whole story. So yeah. you're actually talking to your customers and Hearing their stories and understanding their their problems and not just a yes or no survey question. It's, mm-hmm. it's awesome to hear that that is happening.
2: Yep, definitely.
0: So we are here in Omaha. How are we working with our retail office teammates throughout our five states to get their feedback on what our customers are asking for and saying to them? So Kyle, you kind of touched on that a bit in your last show. Is there anything else that we're doing?
2: I guess if we rewind the clock a a couple of years and think about when we were starting customer education, the farm credit system has been around a hundred years and especially at farm credit services of America, the relationship aspect of, of our lending approach to the marketplace is important. So our financial officers and our insurance officers, they work directly with customers to help them identify their goals and to figure out a plan to get there. So that's been core to our business model for a really long time. But when we invested in customer education as a function, at Farm Credit Services of America, we said, what is this thing? There's a lot of ways and a lot of different roads we could go down with customer education. So we said, for those teammates who work most closely with customers, what do you see? We did a mini-research study, basically, that said, "From what what do you see from a financial and business acumen perspective that the best and most successful customers do differently than the rest? And that helped uh, create a framework that now guides the work that we do. Now that knowing what we know from product discovery we could have done it a little bit differently um, by maybe going directly to the customers, but we got good enough to at least keep us within the right guardrails and send it, make sure that we're heading down the right road and that we're going in the right direction as we continue to learn more.
1: I would say too, there's, there's a point where we have this proficiency framework that we can work within as well that keeps us within scope and guidelines of what we're trying to execute on here mm-hmm. at Farm Credit Services of America. So yes, adult education or, you know, educating our producers could look very broad. We could be talking about everything from industry expertise all the way up to creating Facebook accounts. But these, this proficiency framework gives us guardrails to work within as we're developing learning so that we make sure we're not just trying to educate on anything that could be a problem for a producer, but specifically things where we have a right to talk about it as a lender and, and partner in agriculture.
0: Okay. So seeing as this is a podcast that's targeted towards app dev and other technology teams, we're most excited to talk about how you are utilizing technology as a customer experience team. So even in utilizing experience API, otherwise known as XAPI, can you tell me about what XAPI is?
2: Yeah, glad to talk about it. Utilizing XAPI might be a bit of a stretch to exactly okay. how much we've done so far, but I think it's a really exciting future unlocks a lot of possibilities to ultimately Deliver value to customers through education that's impactful, that helps them manage their operations. So XAPI is, it's a new specification for learning technology. Learning technology has historically run on a standard called SCORM that I'm a, the non-technical guy describing this, but it basically says for a standard, if you complete an e-learning course, it gives you a couple reports, complete, incomplete, pass, fail, and From a learning perspective, just because someone completed something, they watched a video or downloaded a PDF doesn't mean that they learned anything Mm -hmm. that's going to help them do something better. So what experience API does, it's a standard that the industry has agreed to, to help non-technical learning designers design learning that will report and capture an insight about the way that the learner interacts with that digital learning in a way that's more meaningful. And uh, there's a whole bunch of other possibilities about how the data can be moved from one system to another, and it's interoperable. And that's about the extent of the technology that I understand. But from my perspective, it really unlocks a lot of potential by creating a standard that's going to help us to ultimately understand what's most valuable to the end user and to the end, end learner. And that's really what, what we care a lot about.
0: Awesome. Has your perspective changed at all? Through this.
2: So we ran, we ran a pilot just using anonymous aggregated data about how learners interacted with a particular digital learning. And it really gave us a lot of insight about how they're actually doing it. Cause we could see which topics were of most interest because that's the stuff that's going to be most valuable later on. Cause customer education is not required. So right. if it's not accessed and not viewed as valuable, then. You don't even get over the first step. So we were able to see a lot of insights about what the customer, what the user was actually valuing through that learning experience, as opposed to just complete or incomplete.
0: Are you able to get insights into customers that are actually returning and listening to more than one webinar or attending more than one webinar to get the feel for what different audiences are interested in? If they are coming back for episode one, three, and five, like what is about one, three, and five that's enticing to this person?
2: So the capabilities to individualize the feedback and the learning is definitely there. It's not something that we've got into yet. That's more of a captive audience. You would be required to log in somewhere. We want to make sure that all the disclosures and the reputation is all covered. The capability is there and it creates an individualized learning path because if Stacy goes in and, and completes sections one, three, and five, and those are aligned with sections 10 and 11 Mm -hmm. of another course, it could maybe serve that up to you. But that's a long ways down the road. If we think of this as a crawl, walk, run mentality, like we're we're barely crawling. So we have a long ways to go, but those capabilities exist. We're just not even really close to scratching the surface on getting there yet.
0: Do you have a sense of where you might be going next then? Like what does walking look like?
2: The crawl stage is about seeing if we can ultimately experiment and deliver education that that captures XAPI insights. The walk phase would be doing that, that sort of work at scale. Cause it was really time labor and resource intensive to run the first pilot or experiment mm-hmm. and we got good insight. So how do we do that at scale, managing risks appropriately at scale. And then the, the walk or the run would be where learners have the opportunity to take advantage of education that's very personalized to what they already know and know how to do as well as what they're most interested in. Take the the financial and business knowledge necessary to run a farm or ranch today, and there's a really wide spectrum. Just understanding a balance sheet, for example. Mm -hmm. Step one is understanding what are the components of a balance sheet. Step two is knowing what stuff to put inside that balance sheet. And then we get all the way down to understanding ratios, seeing trends, and making business decisions from that balance sheet. So there's a lot to know, and customized learning really helps Make sure that the learner isn't wasting time or energy on stuff that they already know or is too complex for them. Right.
0: right If if there's this step 10 in the process, if they haven't figured out step one and two, then you can't present them step 10. Exactly.
1: Keep in mind, step 10 is going to look different for every learner. Yeah. It's very rarely going to be the same step for farmer A as farmer B.
0: So we've pretty well covered the current state of technology utilization for customer experience. What can you share with us about what the future state looks like? Are there other avenues you'd like to explore? Other plans to test out with other technologies?
1: Yes, we think about this all the time. So picture us going to an expo and we walk down all these aisles of all this amazing learning technology. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of people out there developing amazing um, resources we can use to deliver education in the most crafty, flashy, exciting way that you can possibly think of. But we have to take a moment and step back every single time when we go and look at these amazing technologies. And remember to keep that learner in the center of it. And when if we do that, then we have to go back to we need a problem. What's the problem that we're trying to solve for? So we always want to be really careful about getting too far ahead of finding a technology that we fall in love with. And I think Carl Horn said the best, don't fall in love with your solution. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing for technology. Don't fall in love with a piece of technology and then look for a problem to solve with it. So my that's my first response is just to say we want to be really careful about engaging in a specific technology before we know what we're using it to solve for but on that end there's also so much out there
2: (laughs) there's a lot of venture capital and m&a activity happening in learning technology which i think can maybe sometimes create solutions that aren't in touch with sound learning principles or or keeping the learner in mind so we're focused on making sure that we don't have solutions looking for problems
0: Tying it back to product management again. I knew exactly what the end of that sentence was, that Carl has stated that more than (laughs) once in other rooms, that we are not just thinking of these great ideas. And I I have this great idea, we've got to do it, and not exploring it, not finding data that proves that this is the right idea or the right direction to go. And going back to Carl again, he will tell you that at the beginning of the the Dreo project, he had a dozen ideas that he thought were going to be the just the best things ever and he ended up being wrong about pretty much all of them, and it's that was okay because they went through the discovery process to make sure that the things that were going to be implemented were the right, uh, right things, and not just somebody's great idea. Mm-hmm. And that can be applied anywhere across the organization, not just in applications development.
2: I can tell you a story of when we were wrong, thinking that we had a, a gut assumption that mm-hmm. we. So right now we're piloting some regional workshops across our territory. And those workshops are focused on primarily cash flows and balance sheets. And this stemmed out of a pre-conference workshop that we ran here in Omaha for customers about a year ago. The full backstory is that pre-conference workshop got to where it was today because we ran it wrong the year before. We had this assumption that young and beginning and small producers that putting together a plan is is step one. And there's some quote. This says it's great to have a game plan until you get punched in the face. Uh, some boxer that said that, <laughs> okay. and, uh, that was sort of the mentality we took with designing some education for YBS producers that like the plan is the plan, but we need to help them learn how to be more agile and be more flexible and responsive as the world around them changes. And we found that they weren't ready for that. They needed to have the plan in place. And so while we had some assumptions because we believed that's what they needed to do to be successful, in reality, the producers were telling us, no, I need to know how to do a cash flow or a balance sheet first because I can't think about being reactive to the environment around me if I don't have a plan or a general direction to go in the first place. I was listening to some of the recordings of this podcast and Dennis Curlin talked about it well, how uh, him and his wife sit down and do a budget every year. And by March, that budget is kind of thrown out the window and they have to get back together and say, well, here's... What we believed at the time, the reality changed that a little bit, and so that's the approach we're taking with these workshops: is that we had an assumption, and we did that, we ran that assumption based on our our thoughts, not based on the feedback of the customer. And so we're doing that differently this time.
0: So, one last question for you all: something that we deal with regularly in App Dev and business technology in general is meeting stakeholder expectations, like making sure they understand what our plans are, what our timelines are. Talk to me about how you deal with that in in your role.
1: Yeah, so it's actually super important because if you think about it when you're first launching something, you don't want to tell the whole world about it. We don't want to get a bunch of people excited about something that's going to evolve quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. So we recently came up with a process of identifying what stage our different products or deliverables are in. So we have the first stage is the experimentation phase. And that's where we're we're really looking at testing what our theory was and making sure that we're on the right track. And once we've pretty much validated our hypothesis, we kind of move it over to typically the scale phase of it. And so that that scale helps us figure out, now, here's the answer at this small group of people. This worked out great. But as we scale it, what changes do we have to make so that it applies to a larger population? And at that, we're really looking to grow it. But there's a third stage, and that's that maintain and evolve where we don't want to take our eye off the ball because the minute you do, something changes and it becomes irrelevant, right? So it's still in our vision to be looking at how it's working. But at that point, we're just continuing to make sure that it's still relevant in the space that we're delivering the learning. So those are kind of the ways that we identify where we might be in the process of evolution. does not mean that we can't go back. We may move something, scale it up and stop at a certain scale, maintain and evolve and realize this is for a larger audience. And at that point, we could go back into the scale phase and look to move it to a different level or group of people.
2: And I'd add that the way that we engage stakeholders, depending on what stage it's at, the way that we engage them is different. When we're in, when we're engaging stakeholders during the experimentation phase, we're really getting them excited about the vision and the problem that we're solving. And then once we get to scale, it's about getting them really excited about the solution. So the regional workshops is about getting our, our regional retail leaders excited about the problem of, Delivering education on basic financial skills close to the farmer ranch. Now that we've got something that we feel comfortable about getting in front of hundreds and thousands of people, now we're in the scale phase where we're getting our retail leaders and our, our teammates excited about getting as many people to that as possible because we've sort of proven the concept. We've identified the solution compared to the problem.
0: So you've got your champions of the ideas out there that are recruiting and they're trying to find more people that have that passion.
1: I would say too, in this stage, this is where communication is more important than ever. Um, In the experimentation, we're not like, we're not broadly broadcasting what we're doing. I mean, only to the stakeholders, but not to everybody, right? But once we hit scale, we're trying to get that message out there. And it can sometimes be a little bit tricky because that's where we're saying, oh, we've got this group that's really engaged. How do we get these people to see what we're doing? How do we see this, get this group to engage with us and and help us scale this learning?
2: Mm -hmm. We answer to our customer shareholders, not quarterly earnings reports. Yeah, we have financial goals and metrics, but unlike a publicly traded company that's got to produce financial results on a quarterly basis, our board is looking long-term, you know, the farm credit system has been around hundred years and we want to be around for the next hundred years. So that really gives us the flexibility to look a long ways down the road, as opposed to just creating something this quarter, that's going to drive this result within the next two or three months, which really works well to the, the experiment scale and the agile approach. Because we're not expected to launch the final deliverable day one. We can get there over the long term.
0: So this will wrap us up for today. Thank you for sharing your time and valuable insights with us today, Kyle and Carly. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening and subscribe today to Try Catch wherever you get your podcasts.